0: The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. So, question for you is, what is it that makes us wanna be right? Ever thought about that? I mean, we really like to be right. And really it's the source of most of our um, arguments is one person thinks they're right and the other person's telling them they're wrong. And if you have somebody in my house I've got a mini me and I don't just, like I don't like, like, I don't have to be right. I don't have to be right, but I want to be right. You know, I strive to be right. Caitlin is immature. She's not here today. <laughs> she uh, is with a friend. Um, but so, so I want to be right. I've matured in my walk. She has to be right. Okay. And so, I mean, it doesn't matter, like, it's always your fault regardless um, when Caitlin is in the picture. And a little bit of that, I think, is uh, it gets really bad for those of you raising kids, um, especially daughters. Uh, Men, when they hit the eighth grade, you should just put them in a barrel and get them out in the 10th grade, okay? Because they are like... They, especially with dad you know they just they, and but they come out of it so there's just let me encourage you they come out of it and they get really special again like they were when they you know were were little bitty but um and so zoe's kind of coming into her eighth grade like i told her last night she said something well that's not well there's that fear there's that fear it is fair. <laughs> I said, why is that not fair? Because you're an eighth grader at Lakewood Middle School, so it's not fair. Everything is not fair in your life because of that. Um, and so anyway, getting back to this, this thing, we, we all, like, we have this innate desire inside of us to be right. We don't see that in any other species. You know, look at uh, dogs and you watch pets you may have. They don't feel like they need to be right. There's never any of that going on. They just kind of do what they do, right? But in the, in the, in, in the human species, there's, this, there's just this desire to always want um, to be right. And I think that is rooted in um, what we call the imago Dei, the Im- we bear the image of God. God is right. And if we bear his image, there is an in- innate desire inside of us that we want to be right. And really, everything is set against us in um, existence when we're apart from God uh, to keep us from being right. And so today, we're going to learn about how to be right. We started this series last week in the book of Romans. We'll once again be in Romans chapter 1. And I was teaching you and challenging you and said, man, this this series was kind of born out of um, the Lord showing me um, that belief is all I can offer to the Lord. There used to be a time that I thought I offered things to the Lord. I offered my giftedness, you know. I offered my ability to speak, my ability to lead. And and I gave that to the Lord, and the Lord was like, man, I didn't know if I was going to make it if Jimmy didn't give me that, right? Or when we give a check, and we, like, are faithful in our giving, and we go, man, I'm giving that to the Lord. He needs that. (laughs) And so all of these things, we kind of think we can believe that, man, We have something to offer to the Lord. We have nothing to offer to the Lord. Nothing. Absolutely nothing except belief. That's it. Because the Bible even says that anything you do that is not done in faith, like, it's a sin. And so we got to be really aware of the fact that the most valuable thing that we offer to the Lord is belief. And that is important because belief always impacts behavior, And so you're, you're like if you get that mixed up and you try to get your behavior to um, impact your beliefs, you've just come up with a recipe for a Pharisee. Doesn't work. Your belief always has to come first, and then your behavior will follow. And to show you how mixed up we are, a lot of times people won't come into the kingdom or come into the church because they're trying to get things lined out in their behavior first, and once they get to where they feel like they're doing a better job, then they feel like they can be in the presence of the Lord. That is behavior um, and trying to get your belief to follow your behavior, and it will never work. And so I, I taught you last week the, what the Lord showed us out of um, the Word is that we need to believe in the call. I mean, there's a call of God on every one of our lives. The call is not just reserved for those who are in professional ministry and and earn their living from um, ministering the gospel to a body of believers. Um, All of us are called, and within that call, there are boundaries that there are boundaries set in our lives. And so by boundaries, I don't mean that go, oh, where there are things that you shouldn't do and you're trying to keep stuff out of you. No, I mean there are boundaries within the call of what is acceptable for you to do as an individual. And we see this principle taught and reinforced in the Old Testament. Even when the Israelites received the promised land, each tribe was allotted a certain boundary of land. And this is where um, they, they, you know, Caleb and his family went. And this is where the sons of each of the descendants um, went. And uh, each of the descendants of Abraham and the tribes, they went and they were allotted a certain amount. And this was the boundary of, of their place. This is where they inherited the promised land. Well, when he come to the New Testament, it's not about land anymore. It's about a life. We inherit the promised life. And so for each of us that when we receive the promised life, there is an allotment within the land of the promised life that is a boundary for us, that if we're going to fulfill the call that God has placed upon our lives, then we function within the midst of those boundaries. And if we get outside of that boundary, then we're asking for God um, to like really discipline us. We've gotten outside of the boundaries that the Lord has set for the particular call that he has placed upon us. Uh, my life, then all of a sudden I'm trying to move the boundary lines because I don't get to set the boundary lines because Jesus is the one who does that in my life. You say, well, how do I know what the boundary is? That's why it's so important for you to be in the word. That's why it's so important for you to be talking to the Lord and, and you're in the word and the Lord uses the word that is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword to help you to separate the physical from the spiritual and cut out some of the junk in your life that would cause you to cross a boundary or try to move a boundary. Now in the Western world, what we do is we think in terms of when I become a believer in Christ, then I, what I do is I make a boundary for Jesus and Jesus, here's the boundary of my life and here's where you're at. And that's not the way it works. And I, I, I shared with you, man, that, that there are boundaries that the Lord sets in our lives, and then we are sent out to function within those boundaries. And I believe that as the scripture teaches that he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much, that as we are faithful in the boundaries that the Lord has set for us and we are sent out in that, the Lord will increase our boundaries within the promised life, and we will begin to experience what Jesus calls the abundant life as he's talking um, in John chapter 10 about the sheep being able to hear his voice. So we're in the Word. We're praying. The Lord speaks to us about the boundaries, and the more that we respond to the boundaries that He has set in our lives, the more He can increase the boundaries in the territory of the call and entrust us with a greater level of responsibility. And so we, uh, last week, just sort of learned by by way of review, is like you belong to Jesus, man, and that is an exciting thing to think about. And we walk in that belief. That's what we're trying to. We say, man, I'm a believer. Like there's, everybody's a believer. What the heck do you believe? That's what we're supposed to believe. That right there. And so today we're going to learn a little bit more about what is it that we mean when we say that we believe. If belief is to impact our behavior, we must know what to believe because that's the valuable thing that we offer to the Lord is I'm believing something. I'm, I'm acting as if something is true in my life and I'm focusing my thoughts and my meditation on that. And so we're going to unpack again nine verses I'll kind of make some comments along the way and then i'll give you some takeaways that have been really powerful and helpful for me and very encouraging as i'm trying to listen to you know what does the lord want me to do what, what is what are the boundaries of my life what is the call upon my life and man i've been i've been working that out for like all my life and there have been times that that i've gotten outside of the boundaries. And there have been consequences from that. There have been times in my life that i function at a really high level within the boundaries. And the older I get, the more I understand that what I believe about those boundaries and how I function within the context of those boundaries is how the Lord is able to outpour his blessing on my life. And I can really enjoy um, what it means uh, to really live At the end of the day. And so Paul, he goes on, he's been writing this letter, he opens it, he's never been to this church. This is a church that Paul did. We don't even know who started this church. Like this church just came out of the ground, and nobody knows for sure um, who started the church. Paul had a great desire to go to the church. Um, and minister to them, but there were, there were great things happening in the church, and we'll hear him talk about that in, uh, as we continue the opening and introduction of his letter to these Christians in Rome um, who uh, had this church that was, it, it, you know, Rome was like, it was the New York City of the day, and so here they are in, in this church, and Paul, he continues on um, in verse 9, where we left off last week, and he says, God, or I'm sorry, verse 8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. That's pretty cool. And I, I hear that, and I think I start to I started to lay that over the filter of OPCC, and I'm like, man, like, that's the church I want to be. I want us to be that church where the our faith is being reported all over the city, man. And this church was being reported all over the known world. What was happening in the church in Rome was, was just blowing away even the people back in Jerusalem. Like the, uh, had started churches and, and all the apostles that were back there, they were hearing things about what had happened in this church in Rome. And there wasn't even an apostle that started the church, man. This thing was just moving and it was going. And, and so I hear that and I'm like, man, that we want to be that kind of church. Um, we want to be the kind of church that this is being reported, man, there's something special is happening in that place, and it's not about what what it is that they offer. It's about what's happening in the lives of the people. Man, the faith is being reported all over the city, and there's a draw of others wanting to learn what in the world is God doing through that ministry in that church. And and so Paul says, man, I'm hearing about you guys, and I'm fired up about it. He says, God, whom I serve in my spirit and preaching the gospel of his son is my witness How I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Man, I want you guys to know like in my spirit as I serve the Lord and I'm walking in prayer, I pray for you. Like, and he serves as a my witness. He's saying to them, man, I'm not just giving you lip service. I'm telling you that I pray for you and I remember you constantly in my prayers. And I want you to know that, man, I do that for you guys. I I pray for you. You, Your name is either on my whiteboard or it is typed out in a list. If you call this place your church home and I pray for you and I ask the Lord to help you, man. I wanna see the Lord like just increase your ability to hear his voice and understand who he is and walk faithfully with him and and see the outpouring of the spirit in your life as you listen and follow him and it's, it's a joy of my life and I will say to you, it's not lip service. With God as my witness, I pray for you. Now, that should be an encouragement some, for some of you who are new to the church. If, if I don't know your name, I'm not praying for you, okay? So you need to fill out a connection card today. And I will start praying for you. That's what happens. I put you on the whiteboard, man. And I, I start praying that God, first of all, will give you wisdom. Are you supposed to be within this body? And it does me a lot of uh, a good and a, it gives me great joy to know that I pray for you. I pray for your family. I pray for your kids. And, um, and I'm encouraged by that because it gives me a vision of what God may be up to in your life during the week, right in that moment. And, uh, and I believe that any ministry that is going to be any kind of use and effective for the kingdom and have any internal, eternal uh, impact is going to have to be built on prayer. So I would invite you, man, to do the same thing. Um, you say, man, I don't know what all to pray about. Pray for the people in the church. Pray for each other. Pray for me. Um, Don't just let your prayers be focused solely on yourself and what's happening around you. Think about all of the things that are happening in the kingdom and who may be faced with some difficult circumstances that they don't even know are about to be unpacked in their lives. And we pray for each other that we would be ready in those moments. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, man, I I serve uh, in my spirit in preaching the gospel. And I'm going to unpack that piece right there a little bit more when we get to the takeaways. And he says, man, I long to see you. I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Man, I have a—he says—I have a burning like desire to make it to you. Now, Paul had prayed that he would be able to do it, that that a door would be opened, and the Lord heard his prayer and He answered his prayer. And unfortunately, it was by way of uh, being beaten. Shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, and coming in chains as a prisoner. But he finally got to Rome. To, and so sometimes the Lord answers our prayers in ways that we're not expecting, but he got there, right? And he did a lot of work in the midst of uh his journey there, but but he's longing to see them. And the reason he wants to see them, is he says so that I can impart a spiritual gift to you. And and that's not like a gift like that we have uh listed in the um Um, the New Testament about us receiving spiritual gifts. This is more what Paul is talking about in in this context. He's saying, man, a a gift of how you might um, like grow in your relationship with the Lord. And also I'm expecting that I might receive a gift from you. And boy, that's what I try to do. Like for you guys, even in the sermon, I, I love like being here. I was longing to get back. I enjoyed my time away. Um, But boy, man, you, you know, week gets into week and I'm just like, man, I long to see the people. Like, I just don't do well if I'm not around the body um, uh, for an extended period of time. And so I have to be really disciplined to disconnect myself because it's a healthy thing, I, I think, um, for me to do. And, and so I, I long to be back with you. And as I, as I share with you, even this morning, man, as I'm working and laboring throughout the week and I'm in the Word, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dig out something to impart to you, a gift that will help you grow. And, and then I receive from you. Right. Like I receive from you, when you guys walk through the door and, the, and you come here, one thing it says to me, man, is when people are hungry for the word, and what I'm trying to do is teach the word and help people grow in their their faith. And as you walk in and you come to this place, I'm mutually encouraged just by you showing up and seeing you serve and seeing you love each other. Man, it, it does a it does my heart a great deal of good. And that's the way the body works, man. It just functions. There's this mutual encouragement we give and we receive. And and, and, and it works best when both of those things are happening. And so Paul's like, man, I I long to give you a spiritual gift. And I think in that, that sense right there, he's talking about some discipleship, man. That's what discipleship is, is we're gifting each other with the ability to hear what God is calling us to do. And we're celebrating with each other what God has done and shown us. And it's just a beautiful thing that can happen. And this mutual encouragement takes place. And he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you but have been prevented from um, from doing so until now in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Paul said, man, I've been wanting to come, guys, but I haven't been able to. Now, there have been many times that Paul wanted to come and wanted to do something. If you study the book of Acts and it says that the the devil prevented us, the enemy prevented us. Um, We were not permitted by the spirit to come. But in this this context right here, he's just like, man, what... I longed to come to Rome, but what's happening in the ministries here, like it was the work of God that was keeping him from being able to go and, and be with the Roman Christians. And evidently that was okay because they were still thriving in that church. And, and so sometimes that's what happens is the work of God will keep us from really um, being able to move here, move there, or do something else. And, and Paul's like, man, I long for that. I want, I want to be there. And I don't want you to be on a, unaware of it, that I planned to come many times, but I wasn't able to do so, and the reason I want to come is because I believe there's a great harvest coming, an even greater harvest than, I've, than, than you guys have experienced before. And I want to be a part of that. And boy, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I keep that before me as a body of believers. And I think about what the Lord wants to do with us. From the time that I knew that the Lord was calling me here back in 2011, I had taken a break from ministry. I was on the sidelines, intentionally put myself there waiting um, for the Lord. And and had multiple opportunities um, to get um in, in, in ministry again, but felt that I should wait. And um and 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 then the Lord finally gave the release, and it was with the guys who called here, um, just a handful of people here at the church at that time. And and man, I believed in that moment when I knew that the Lord was calling me here, and Abby and I knew that, and we were like, man, we're We're going to move from everything familiar and come to this place. We believe there's a harvest. And we believe that, we still believe that. And we believe the harvest has started to come in. And our desire, like just so you know, like there's no desire inside of me that wants to build a big church so that everybody goes, man, look, look at what Jimmy did. Um, I've already made that disastrous mistake in my life before. I don't want to make that again. Um, I don't want the ministry to be about me. But I do want to see the move of the Lord. And to see the Lord like, even, even when things can, are broken, God can use stuff and, and work in the midst of it. And, 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 and I've seen the Lord do some amazing things. And, and I, I, I wanna see him do that with this body of believers. I want you to see it. I want us to be scratching our heads and going, I can't believe we are a part of this. I can't believe what is happening within the kingdom and the Lord has honored us and allowed us to be a part of how he was going to move in a special way um, within this city. And, and, and then we really are doing things like the New Testament says. We're really um, sharing the gospel ourselves and, and it's moving. And Paul says, man, there, I know you guys are experiencing a harvest, but I think an even greater harvest is going to come. And he's like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be there. I want to be with with you and and, and share in that. And I I believe it is coming. And he says um, in verse 14, he says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. And that is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And so Paul is talking about his obligation um, to people who were um, familiar and like socially they could speak the Greek language I mean, some translations uh, it uses the word Greeks and barbarians what does that mean well a lot of languages um, were not as sophisticated as the Greek language and they would say man when them people talk it sounds like bar 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 and so they would call them barbarians right and so he's like, whether they're talking like that or they're talking like the Greeks, I'm obligated to those people. Whether they're wise and been educated or they've never had any formal education at all, I, 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 I'm, I'm obligated to those people. I'm obligated to preach the gospel to them because when it comes to the gospel, it is an equal field. It doesn't matter whether a person has been trained or untrained, what language they speak, what society they claim to belong to. We're all on level ground when it comes to the gospel and we're all in need of the grace of God. And then he says, I long to come and share with whoever will listen and receive the word of God. And then he goes on to say, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. He says, man, the, the gospel first came and it was, it was brought to the Jewish people and the whole purpose was for it to burst out and go out um, past the Jewish people and, and God has been telling this story of the good news of the gospel and how it was gonna play out and we never did really fully understand it but now we see the power behind it as Jesus came and, and he was God in the flesh and he died on the cross of Calvary to, to help us um, to know him and connect with him and, and he forgives us of our sins and he rose from the dead man, and he lives in us. And he said, that come first to the Jew, and, and now it's to the Gentile. And like, I'm, I'm not ashamed of what that gospel will do. And he says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And, and he says, it, it is a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You see, there it is again. That's, that right there, that verse is sort of the theme of all of Romans. Is the, the, the just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Martin Luther read that verse, bam, and came to know the Lord. And the Protestant Reformation happened as a result of that. John Wesley read that verse. He was reading about the Ford, I believe, in Martin Luther's book or commentary on the book of Romans, and bam, the Lord hit him. And, and he went from religion to relationship, and the, uh, the, the, the Wesleyan revival spread across the land so, like, like, it is all about belief. It's all about faith. It's all about understanding that the righteousness of God is revealed in the midst of the proclamation of the gospel. And so Paul says, man, I'm not ashamed of that. Now, man, he, he, he lays out a whole lot in those few verses. And I've just kind of went through them and laid out a whole lot and said, hey, man, here's a lot of stuff to be encouraged. But what do what you do with that to help you in your journey to make sure that what you're offering to the Lord is faith, your belief? What is it that you are to believe? When you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, what exactly is that supposed to mean in your life? So we've established that, that call, um, boundaries, that you're sent, that you belong, and so we see that, that that's kind of further developed now. And, and here's what I would sh- share with you and submit to you first of all is that you need to believe the gospel is the power that saves people. Like you need to believe that. You need to think about that. And we say we believe it, but when we, when we say believe something, it means we are acting as, as if it's true. We're not just saying that in a concept, I believe in something. I'm actively engaging in that belief to demonstrate that I have faith in it. And our culture will tell us that getting saved is old school thought. And it is. It goes all the way back to the beginning. When the fall happened, God said and he promised that they were in need of a savior. And and we see that he says out of the seed of the woman, that Savior would come. And it is the first prophetic utterance. And then it happens over thousands of years. God continues to raise up prophets that prophesy things that ultimately Jesus, the Messiah, would fulfill. And the gospel, what is the gospel? When we say believe in the gospel, we believe that Jesus was God, that he came, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose, that he ascended. And for all those who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That is the gospel. And we have to believe that. We have to believe that, man, that is the power that changes people. And you cannot be right with God without getting saved. If you say, well, man, I've always believed. Well, maybe you have, but that doesn't mean that you're right with God. Because the Bible teaches that even the demons in hell believe, but they're not right with God. And so believing In what? Believing in the power of the gospel to save people. And that starts with me. Like I have to start with, man, when has the gospel impacted my life and penetrated my dark heart to where I have surrendered to Christ and he has saved me from what? Saved me from his wrath that I deserve by forgiving my sin and taking it away and making me right with him. And so the gospel is the power that brings salvation to everyone. And so there there should be a time in your life where you got saved, not got baptized. You got saved. And you know, that's when I met the Lord. I encountered the risen Christ. And the gospel had been unleashed in my life. In the gospel, what he's saying here is that the righteousness of God is revealed. Remember, that innate desire in all of us to be right. I want to be right. He says the righteousness of God is revealed in the midst of the gospel. And so it is a righteousness by faith. And so uh, the righteous, he says, will live by that particular faith. What is righteousness? It comes from the Greek word dikaiosone. And it means all that a man or woman is originally designed to be. It puts us in a place of rightness with God, so that now, God, when I receive the righteousness of God, all of a sudden, I am in a right and acceptable place with God. If I have not been saved, then I am still unrighteous, but when I have been saved by faith through, by you know, I've saved by grace through faith, I believe in the grace that God has given through his sacrifice of himself on the cross. And as I believe in that, and I begin to receive that, then I am, I'm placed in a different standing with God. And all of a sudden I become right with God through the gospel as it is revealed. Now, how does this happen? It says, this is imparted to us by the power. That is the Greek word dunamis. It's the same word that uh, we get the word dynamite. <laughs> the gospel blows my life up. And it destroys what was bad, reestablishes me in the name of Christ, and I am born again in Jesus. That is the gospel. Now, how many conversations have you had about the gospel in the last seven days? That. That touching someone's life. How many times have you engaged with someone thinking as you're talking to them, does this person know the gospel? You see him, and we go, geez, I don't know if I'm doing that at all. I don't know if I'm putting that on the forefront of my mind. I'm so busy with all these other things in my life. All of those other things are rubbish, especially if we do them and we lose sight of the gospel. That's what Paul is saying, man. Like The gospel is central. And so what do we believe? The first thing we need to believe is that the gospel is the power that saves people. Here's the second thing. We need to believe by preaching the gospel to my soul. I need to preach the gospel. Like I'm preaching the gospel to your soul right now. And and you may already be a Christian and it's good for you to get the gospel to your soul. We can't get enough gospel. The more we hear the good news, the better we feel about ourselves and our situation because we understand that the things that are most important in life have already been repaired and revealed to us, and that is a wonderful place to be living in. And so I'm preaching the gospel to your soul, but you need to preach the gospel to your soul. The gospel is God at work. That's what verse 17 is teaching us. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Okay, so the the gospel is God at work. To hear the gospel is to experience God. And every time I hear the good news of the gospel, I'm encountering God in a fresh way. D.L. Moody said, the gospel is a lion in a cage, and our job is to let it out and get out of the way. Just let that lion out. Okay, but the problem we have is that when we go back to the boundaries, See, the lion is to run within the lion of the gospel is to run within the boundaries that Jesus has set for our lives. Until He expands those boundaries, we stay within them. And as He expands them, then we move wherever He is moving us to, call, calling us to go. And so we're we're listening and we're letting the lion do his thing. But what we do is we say, "Man, I'm gonna like I believe in the gospel, and I'm gonna put a little thing on Jesus here." Like, look at Jesus. Isn't Jesus nice? Isn't the gospel nice? I'm so glad the gospel set me free from my sin. I'm so glad the gospel saved me. We treat Jesus like a pet. He's a lion, man. You let him out of the cage and get out of the way. You say, well, I don't know when it's gonna happen. That's exactly right. And you're gonna walk by faith into the places that he wants you to walk and your journey with Jesus is gonna take on a flame and a, and a flare and a passion and an excitement and enthusiasm about it that you've never known before. And this faith thing is going to be a journey where you are drawn to the word of God because you wanna hear the voice of the lion and you wanna know where the boundaries are in your life. You wanna know where he's calling you to go and what he's calling you to do. And as you listen to that voice and you hear it, man, and you're, you're walking and obedience and the freedom of the Lord is pouring out in your life. And and so you start to let the lion loose. And that's what I mean by preach the gospel to your soul, man. Get up on Monday and think about the gospel and how has it impacted your life. Think about you've been set free from your sins, that there are boundaries around you that God wants you to run in. There's a call on your life and a place he is sending you. And you walk into that, man, and you watch for the lion to show you what's next. And he will show you exactly what it is that he wants you to do so you need to let it go and get out of the way in verse 9 Paul says God whom I serve in my spirit I think this is a really interesting thing he says God whom I serve in my spirit by preaching the gospel so Paul is saying he's calling to to witness what he's about to say about praying for them and he says God whom I serve in my spirit by preaching the gospel. So he's saying there's something spiritually that I do that I'm connecting with God and it is through the preaching of the gospel. And I think there's a little bit of Paul saying, I preach the gospel to my soul. This word serve comes from the Greek word lutreo. And it means, um, last week we learned uh, the Greek word doulos, like we we belong, we are slaves of Christ. He owns us. This is a different word and it actually means minister to or worship okay? And so when he says, God whom I minister to or worship in my spirit, Jesus said to the first person that he revealed the gospel to, the woman at the well, he said, woman, I tell you that God seeks, like, like a, a time is coming where the Lord, he seeks uh, worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. And that's the first person he revealed the gospel to. And so as he's saying that, what we see is, 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 as we unpack this, is to serve is to worship, and to worship is to serve. And so we begin this, how do you worship the Lord? Preach the gospel to yourself. But preach it over and over. As I'm preaching it to you, preach it to yourself on Monday. Preach it to yourself on Tuesday. Get up on Wednesday and preach it to yourself. Preach it to yourself on the way to that appointment. Preach it to yourself on the way to the ball game. Just preach the gospel to yourself. That is so important. One of the advantages that I have being in full time ministry and knowing that I've got to get up and preach to you guys is I keep preaching the gospel to myself because it's terrifying to get up and try to teach people about how to follow Jesus. Like, because I'm broken like you. Like, I'm not, it's not follow Jimmy, it's follow Jimmy as I follow Christ. And so there's a tremendous pressure on me to make sure that I'm, I'm following the Lord. But, but like, man, what helps me is I know I'm, I'm leading you. And that, that helps me to stay grounded and know, um, to stay in the word and to know that I have something to feed the sheep of the Lord and, and, and do what he's called me to do. And, and, And so I'm constantly preaching the gospel to myself. I'm constantly having to go up and down, up and down. I think sometimes people hear me preach and they say, man, Jimmy, I sound like you're always on top of the world. Man, I'm up and down like a roller coaster. You say, how do I get up? I preach the gospel to myself. I preach the gospel as the enemy, the, the more that I feel like the Lord wants to do in my life and ministry, and the more that I believe the calling and the vision that the God has placed on my life, and the more that I believe how God is going to use me to help you grow in the Lord, the more the enemy attacks me. It's like, like the, Faith had the car this week and blew the engine up in the Denali. Like, come on, Lord! Just I've, I've, been, I've been like I'm 52 years old. I've never had a vehicle that has blown up, but faith can get it done. Uh. <laughs> and so, and so, oh, geez, man! I, was like, well, I gotta preach the gospel to myself. The Lord is my provider. He will take care of me, and I just preach the gospel to myself, but I get down, I get up, I get down, I get up, and, and, and I'm, well, how do I do that? I preach the gospel to myself, and I stay focused because there are always, like there's never, we, <laughs> Abby and I used to think, we started in ministry, man, I was 29, I was a, a young pastor, only church, I've only been at two churches, this church and another church. I was 29 years old, and uh, she was uh, like, I don't remember. <laughs> She's like eight years younger than me. What's that make her? 28, 21? <sighs> what a genius. And, and, and so anyway, we're young and the Lord, man, these people trusted us. And when we start just preaching the gospel and the church is growing and going and everything, and then tremendous things start happening. Like, and it gets like, oh man, this is terrible. We have to navigate through something really hard. And we navigate through it, man, and we got getting momentum again. And then boom, something else would happen. The conflict would happen here. This family would leave the church that family. And we would, just be, we would keep telling ourselves, oh, it's going to get better. We got to press through this. We got to press through this. And it's going to get better, man. We're gonna, there's hope on the other side. And we finally realized it ain't ever changing. We're in a war. And that's just the way it always is. And I just got to look forward and see what God is doing and don't get discouraged by things that the enemy will try to use to discourage me and keep my eyes focused on Jesus and remember that I am uh, 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 called of the Lord. He has a a plan for my life and just keep pressing into that and leaning into that. And so that's what we have to do. We preach the gospel to ourselves and then we let the lion loose and he goes to work in our lives. And when the lion is loose in our lives, guess what happens? Righteousness. And so we don't get more righteous as we let the lion loose in a greater capacity. You can only be righteous or unrighteous. But you know what you do get when you let the lion loose in a greater capacity is a greater comprehension of righteousness that creates a greater freedom in your mind and makes it easier to preach the gospel to your soul. That's how the work, the work of the Lord works. And, and so he says, the more right we realize we are, the stronger we become. And so what else should we believe? I believe I will make others strong. I believe, first of all, the gospel is the power that saves people. I believe by preaching the gospel to my soul. And then I believe I will make others strong. Paul says, I long to come and make you strong in verse 11. Not only that, he says, I know that it will be mutual. You'll strengthen me as I strengthen you. This word long is the word "epipatheo." It means desire, Okay, it's the same word that is used in the New Testament for lust or forbidden desire. So we can, we can understand that because whenever something that we know we shouldn't do keeps calling us men and we're like trying to get away and we can pulling on us and we feel it like a, like a, like a vortex just sucking us in and we're trying to stand away from it. There's desire in that. Okay, and so Paul, that's, that, that's the word used in the negative. But in the positive, man, it's that same level, that same depth uh, uh, of, of longing uh, that, that Paul had to make others strong. Like he wanted to make people strong. And so, so the gospel will do that. Paul says in verse 15 that I'm eager to preach the gospel. You see, well, I want to be that way. Like, I want to be one who longs to preach the gospel. I want to be one who's eager to preach the gospel. Most of the time you hear a sermon and it says, you guys should be sharing the gospel. Then you walk out of here and you're terrified because you're like, I don't know how to share the gospel. Nobody wants to hear the gospel. But the pastor keeps telling me I should be sharing the gospel. And now you're caught in between this world. Now you feel guilty because you never share the gospel. You keep hearing the pastor say you should be sharing the gospel and you're stuck and you're in bondage. Well, let me tell you how you go about sharing the gospel. What's making it so difficult in your life is the eagerness that is created by the gospel. It doesn't happen because we are trying to do it because we think we're supposed to do it. Um. If we're not eager to preach the gospel to ourselves, we will never be eager to preach it to others. The reason it's not coming out, it's not because you're afraid. It's because you're not preaching it to your soul. Because the more you preach it to your soul, the more it will find its way out. Because when you become strong, you will be eager to make others strong And that strength will create an internal obligation to both God and people. He says, I'm obligated to Greeks. I'm obligated to Jews and Gentiles. I'm obligated to the educated and uneducated. I'm obligated to people because the gospel has made its way in. And the more I preach the gospel to my soul, the more I understand I don't deserve it. And the more right I realize I am with God based on nothing I've done. And the more I feel like I want to tell other people the good news that they they too can believe in the gospel and has power to set them free. And that, friends, is the lion working through you, not you working for the lion. We don't work for the lion. The lion works through us. The gospel works through us. And we will continue to struggle to share if we're not sharing it with ourselves. But as we share it with ourselves, then somehow, miraculously, the gospel just makes its way out of us because we have preached it into us. And we have believed it. So when you say, I believe, this is what it means. This is what it means to believe in the gospel, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it means to walk a life of faith. This is what a disciple looks like. And so the big idea is receive it, believe it, and live. Like, live the righteous, he says. Will live by faith. The word live there is the Greek word zeo, and it means to enjoy real life. Here and now, then and there. Somehow we have said that the gospel is needed for the then and there. The gospel is needed for the here and now. The then and there is just a celebration of all the gospel did here and now. And so when we Think about this. To believe is conviction that something is true and act as if it is. Receive it, believe it, and live. Be right, friends. Like there's, man, I can preach that and like I, can look at, I can look back at all that I did last week and, and that's the most joyful thing to my soul is that I can sit here and look at you And you say, that is right. What I just taught you is right, man. And and it is right, not only in the proclamation of it, but I am right with the Lord. (laughs) You say, well, why? Because I believe I am. (laughs) And he says I am when I believe in the gospel has set me free from my sin and I'm just Right. And the more that I think about that, the more encouraging that I get on the inside. And I want you too to be encouraged. Because when you believe it and you receive it, you'll start to live it. Don't keep the lion in a cage. Let him loose and get out of the way. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare for communion. I'm here for you if you need to make a decision about the gospel. You want someone to pray with you, like I'm available for a lunch meeting, a breakfast, meet you here at the church. You can pull me aside right after this service. But the fact of the matter is, is for you to get saved is the Lord to initiate the invitation and you to say yes to him. And so you coming forward in the church, that's not necessary. Like it's not necessary for me to say, hey, you raise your hand. Like sometimes I do that, but you know what it is? What's necessary is you to have the courage to open up and tell somebody, the Lord wants to save me. That's what's necessary. You to make confession with your lips about what you believe the Lord is calling to you to in your heart. And step forward and invite another believer along with you to celebrate. And so, man, I'm here. Like, I'm here to, even, even if you're not ready for that and you just got more questions, I'm here. I'm a safe person. I'm going to try to uh, make you do anything. I don't like to talk people into anything. Uh, because if I can talk you into something, the enemy can talk you out of it. But what I do like to do is just proclaim the good news. And then there it is. And so the Lord is like, he, what is he going to do with it in your life? And so as we partake of communion, the elements there are in front of you. I'm going to lead us in prayer. But really, this is about something that Jesus instituted. And he's like, man, as often as you do this, remember the gospel. Remember that I was given, my body was given, it was crushed for your sake and your sin. My blood was spilled in order to forgive you and cleanse you and allow you to have my righteousness imparted in your life. And so as you partake of communion today, even be in remembrance of the gospel. Preach the gospel to your soul before you consume the elements before you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your word and how clear it is. We pray, Lord, that you would help us this week to preach the gospel to ourselves. And Lord, let it come out of us Let us share the gospel in ways, Lord, that we we didn't even realize we were sharing it. It's just coming out because it's so deep within us. I love you. I thank you for these people. I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for communion that helps us to remember you, Lord. And I pray as we receive it today, you would help us, Lord, to do that very thing, to remember you came, you lived, you were crucified, you were buried. You raised from the dead, and you ascended to the right hand of the Father, Lord. We love you. We celebrate that truth, and we thank you for the gospel. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.